start this 10-week project and just really ask the Lord to do a work in you. You know, maybe sometimes we think, I'm okay. We're all okay until we hit a brick wall and then we realize we're not okay because life sometimes can take its toll upon us. And sometimes you can feel super strong and other times you can all of a sudden feel very weak. Um, we Oren just seems to be struggling a wee bit. I think it's just going to school and things. So we came, had to take him into the office here, in the Papa's office. And um, so as I prayed for him, then I says, look, I'm going to pray for me. I says, Oren, do you think it's easy standing up here and speaking? I says, it's not. I says, you think, it, I just take, it's just no problem for me. I says, Oren, I, I, I get fearful at times that, as well. And so he prayed for me that the Lord would help me to speak. I did put the words in his mouth, I might add you. you know, I wasn't going to just trust anything to come out of his mouth, you know, the mouth of babes. And, um, and then I just prayed for him that the Lord um, would strengthen him and help him as well, you know, because growing up isn't easy. And um, we forget that, don't we? I mean, I remember, I remember my first day at school, I think I, started, I was crying, you know, for my mommy and she was walking away and... You know, thank God it, it took a couple of days, but we settled in there, you know. So some kids take to it like a duck to water, and some other kids just are a little bit kind of fearful in, in the whole process, isn't it? You know, so glory to God. So let's just keep the children in our prayers. They need more prayers today like never before. Children are living in an age, um, I mean, I'm pretty dated now getting there, but there's so much coming against them now, especially social media. Everyone's got the phone. And, you know, and it's the stuff that's coming through, the TV, the radio, peer pressure, the phones. It's like, it's just a bombardment now that they're having to deal with. And, um, and it's very difficult to protect the kids. One time you could come in and shut the door, but now you've got this internet world is inside the house. And as I say, try and take that phone off them and all hell's going to break loose. So please, let's keep the children very much in our prayers that the Lord will watch over them and protect them and God will keep his hand upon their life. So when he just came there and picked him up and I'm just praying over him, Lord, just keep your hand upon this boy's life and just keep covering him in, in the word of God. Amen. Please, let's cover Ian in our prayers just as he gets his eyes sorted out. And, um, and thank God for that. And, and I'm sure Ian will be here and be thanking us for our prayers. But he jumps back in there, gung-ho, starts breaking down walls. So there's a little project that he's got on and his back's went. So there we go. So let's just pray that the Lord will bring a quick healing to his back. Father, we pray that a quick healing for Ian's back, Lord, today in Jesus' glorious name. And for everyone else that needs our prayers this morning, Father, Lord, we pray, Lord God, would you touch them, Lord, this morning? Would you bring healing to their bodies? Would you bring peace to their minds? Lord, you are the God who heals the broken hearts. And Father, Lord, we know that this world has got a wonderful way of breaking hearts. But Lord, you gave us hearts that could break and eyes that can shed tears. Father, it's all part and parcel of living, Lord God, Father, in our humanity. I just pray, Father, Lord, that you're the Lord who meets all our needs according to your riches and your glorious Son, Yeshua. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. And just, um, again, Wednesdays, anybody that's wanting to come out into the streets or, shall I say, into the lion's den, uh, meet here at 12 o'clock. It was a bit of a lion's den experience on Wednesday there. We just felt there was a heaviness when you're out there and you're actually having to speak forth the word of God and sing and um, I'll just share. It's, it's not easy. You get a lot of abuse, but glory to God, we get praise in heaven, hallelujah, to go forth and be privileged to take the word of God. I'm just going to start just reading Romans 8. Then we're going to um, move on for the word of God. And this is just coming off the back of last week. And um, the title last week was, what does it mean to love the Lord? And the title for the sermon this week is, what does it mean to obey God? Which should be challenging. Thank God that the word of God is challenging. But I just wanted to just read a portion of scripture here for Romans 8. And we'll probably break in at verse 31. It says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those that God has chosen? For it is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we faith death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. What an amazing portion of scripture. But there is one thing that can separate us from the love of God. You, and I speak to myself, I can separate myself from the love of God. There is this wonderful um, gospel message that people say, once saved, always saved. I personally do not believe once saved, always saved. Yes, God will never, never reject me, but I can reject him. And if I reject the Lord and I walk away from God, then I have walked away from that love. His love is 100% secure, 100%. But I could still turn my back and just say, I'm having nothing more to do with that. I am off. I'm away back into the world. I want nothing more to do with God or with God and with God's church. And I know people out there, I meet them regularly, who used to come and stand with us, used to praise the Lord, who are now out there and upset. And many of them have got very good reasons to be upset. Maybe they were injured in the church. Maybe they're upset with this or the next thing. But they've turned from the Lord and they've gone back to the world. And they're in the world at this moment in time. I pray that God will have mercy upon their souls and they will come to their senses and they will return to the Lord for God is reaching out to the, those prodigals and drawing them back into themselves. And so I pray this day that every single one of us stay close to the Lord, especially in these days. I will say I personally believe that you can turn your back upon the Lord. Glory to God. The scripture says very much upon that. Hebrews, I could take you to many scriptures that would tell you this. Many scriptures. For instance, the blood was on the doorpost and the lintels. Everybody in that house was secure. The blood was secured. I was in the house. The blood just covered the house. If I stepped outside that house, guess what? I'm no longer under the blood. For the blood was covered in the house. I'm outside of God's house. I need to get back into the house of the Lord. Thank God for that. Thank God for the God's house today. Thank God for the security we have in Christ Jesus today. It is. Nobody can separate us for that. God will never, ever let us go. The whole of hell can do nothing about that. The Son of God is now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Isn't that amazing? That Christ is interceding for you and for me. Hallelujah. I mean, the devil comes and wants to bring charges against us. I like to paraphrase this. And it's probably, you know, from Zechariah. And it says, you know, when Ze you know, the Joshua was standing high priest and he had filthy rags on and the devil was there to accuse him. And it says, and it says, I believe it was the Lord says, shut your mouth, Satan. This man is covered in the blood of Jesus. This man is covered, hallelujah. Satan can say nothing against us. Yes, we can sin, but we can repent and get right before God. And when Satan comes to accuse us, Jesus says, be quiet. He's under the blood and he's speechless. There's nothing he can say against the blood of Christ. That atoning cover, he's, our sins have been covered completely and utterly. And even though I will sin and I know I will sin, there's no one who is sinless. But glory to God, there is a provision. Thank God for the provision of God. He just didn't cover me all my sins before I get saved, but he's covering all my sins when I can fall across this journey, when I can come and say, Lord, forgive me. I've just been a bit, I was a bit wild. I was a bit, I was a bit crazy there. I made a mistake. And God just wants to forgive us. Hallelujah. So glory to God. So let us be secure in that love, brethren, this morning. And if you don't know that love, I tell you, just run into the arms of Jesus. A perfect example would be that little Oren came up there to his papa. And he just came up and just did that. I couldn't help but pick him up. <laughs> and he gets heavier and heavier, doesn't it? You're like, I bet not let anybody see I'm struggling here. The man, I mean, Alexander will be watching me there. He does the fitness and I'll be like, but I better look, act as if I've got this under control. But, you know, when you're holding them for ages, eh? Well, you women know more about that than me. You know, you're holding them. You're, you know, you're in trying to do your shops. It gets heavier and heavier. But glory to God. But what I said this, I could not help but lift him up. Couldn't help it. Do you know something? When we come to God and we do that, that's why we lift up our hands in praise and worship. It's like we're offering ourselves to the Lord, we're sacrificing unto the Lord, and it's like God can't help but pick us up when we come to him in that place. That's a place of surrender, do you know that? Remember the old war films, what do they do when you want to come out the trenches? You better do that or somebody's going to shoot you. <laughs> it's a place of surrender, but that really is rooted really in our worship before God. We worship you, Lord, I'm surrendering myself unto God, and I'll tell you this, God just can't help but pick us up. Sometimes as adults, we struggle with that. I want to tell you this, just as I had picked up the little fellow, God picks us up, hallelujah, and then he, he brings us close to him. And I'll tell you this, that, that you could just feel we on just curling in there. And he, I, just, I knew he was just receiving that from my strength. And you, his parents, know all of that, don't you? Hallelujah. 
Sometimes we need to know that because sometimes we just feel as if I'm not worthy. That kind of came through as well there. Brian brought that through there as well with a diamond. God, we're precious to him. You might not feel precious within yourself. That's got nothing to do with it. It's got everything to do with his love, hallelujah, which is abounding. It goes beyond the, the, the depths of man's love. We don't even know nothing about this love. It's so deep, so wide, so high, as we brought out last week. But glory to God. So the title this week, that was just a little flavor, a little starter for 10. As we go on, what does it mean to obey God? It's one of those words, isn't it, obey? You know, when I was, when I was a wee kid, I didn't like that word. Better do as you're told. You be, obey me. And it's immediately where shackles are up, isn't it? You start, they start to get to that age and you're, you've got a wee job in your hands, haven't you? Reminds me when I went to Wee Or and we were up there in Glasgow. I made the big mistake. I took him into a toy shop because I've been trying to teach him. When you're out with Papa, don't ask for anything because it's just constant. And we walked into this big toy store. And as soon as he walked in, it was like a kid walking into an Aladdin's cave. Oh! And he just went, his eyes, and he's running all over the place, picking this up, picking that up. And I'd realized, I've made a mistake here. I should never have brought him in. I've got a problem. Right, okay, it's time for us to go. Well, that was it. No, I want that. You ain't getting that. And then he tried me on someone else. Yes, Caleb, you know all about that. He went, I want that. I went, you're not getting that. And then that was it. I says, right, come on, we're going out of here. Now he starts screaming the store down. And I mean screaming the store down. And I'm, I'm really embarrassed. So I picked him up. Like, come on, you're embarrassing me. He screamed all the way up the Cannon Street. He screamed onto Gordon Street. He screamed into the bus station. I felt everybody looking at me as if I was kidnapping them. I went, I'm his papa, I'm his papa. He screamed on the train halfway to Johnson and then he subsided. And I went, I'm raging. I mean, absolutely raging. I'm going, I'm sort you out when I get you home, boy. And then he repented on halfway. Because he doesn't like getting told no. When he wants something, he wants something. And unfortunately, we have created that culture today. You know, when I was a wee boy, you were lucky to get, you know, your Christmas. You were lucky to get one wee main gift. The rest of it was things you needed, like jammies, <laughs> you know. And the, the colouring in book, you would sit there and watch the Tarzan film with a wee bit of colouring in. You were happy as Larry. Glory to God. Now it's all this, designer this and designer that. Anyway, subtracting. So the word obey. Probably most Christians will think that they do obey God because they add God on at the end of a sentence, which is like the proverbial full stop. I talk to people all the time. Yeah, God's telling me to do this. God's doing this. God's doing that in my life. Yep, yep. No, God's leading me here. God's, God's doing this. And, and we just like, so, and, and then they ask for your advice. Well, what can I say? God's just doing, it's in total control here. It's like, just. and we do, and we really mean it. I mean, it's as if I'm just being led by God and everything I'm doing is fine. God's fine with me. I remember one time I came in here and I went, how are we doing church? How is everyone this morning? I went, good, good, good. I mean, who told you that? And it was, it was one of those rhetorical questions. Well, who, who told you? Well, basically, I told myself. I told myself, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I feel good. You know, and it's like, but who told you? So you, we, we are based that on myself because I feel good as if, but how good is, does God say, feel you're good? Does God feel you're good? Or many times, People comfort themselves just because we do. We don't want to give ourselves a bad time here. So God is, you know, so God's fine with me. Everything's going great. And, and, and I'm walking, I'm walking well before the Lord. Or else we get that saying, I'm getting there, bro. Getting there. Thank God we're getting there. And thank God we're a work in progress. Amen. And it does take time. But we need to be on the journey. I need to be on a journey knowing I'm heading someplace. I'm getting there. Like sometimes you speak to somebody, how are you doing with your driving license? Your driving license? I'm getting there. Now, I'm not going to learn to drive tomorrow. I mean, I, I, need, I, need, I need lessons. But eventually, hopefully, I'm going to learn to drive and we'll get there. So I understand that. But we comfort sometimes deceive ourselves into thinking that everything is rosy in my garden. Everything's cool. Everything's rosy. You know, you know that expression? How's that? Oh, everything's rosy in my garden. Can we, but sometimes within the churches, again, just as I was bringing out last week, that childishness to say, oh, God loves me, and he's just big, it's a, it's a wee teddy bear, the dummy, remember that, the wee comfy blanket, and we've got this kind of, oh, God just loved me, and it's so wonderful, it's great, come in the morning, I just feel big hugs for God, and or the lady dancing around the room, and to, you know, and just feeling that sense of, and sometimes that as well, we can have that little kind of childishness with the comfort of God. But even just to go back to Ephesians, and it talks about obedience, I mean, we all know how that means when we're bringing up children, don't we? And the Word of God says this in Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll turn to that, just reading a few verses there. 
Children and parents, what a job we've got in our hands, amen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. And here Paul is quoting actually Deuteronomy 5 and 6. It's one of the commandments, do you know that? Honor your father and your mother. For all those children in the room, I don't care how old you are, remember that one. If you want everything to go well with you, honor your father and your mother. Obey them. Listen to them. Well, that's if they're giving you good instructions, amen. It's like within the word of God. And obviously when the Bible is talking about that, it means that's teaching them within the word of God. That's teaching them good sound stuff. That's no like sun away and get drunk and get, you know, start smoking early and telling them all the wrong things. That's when it's instructing them through the word of God. And the Bible goes on to tell us that in Deuteronomy. Teach your children. Speak to them from this word. Get this word into them. And that's a word for all of us as parents. Let's get this word into our kids. You know, teach them when they're young. Just sit with them and begin to teach them the word of God. Just fill them with the word of God and read to them of the Holy Scriptures. Tell them about the parables of Jesus and the life of Christ and it will stick with them. Teach a child in the way he should go and he shall not depart from it. And even if they do depart from it, how many times you see there's a good moral structure within society? Do you know one of the things that the devil came to destroy and Cathal backed this up there as well? Sunday school. Do you remember Sunday schools? I remember everybody took their kids to Sunday school, even though they might not go to church themselves, but they all sent their kids to Sunday school. And do you know what that put within them? That put a good moral code within them. It kind of, okay, they may be raised up and they didn't do church, but they weren't running about like lunatics, smashing things up and getting up to all kinds of trouble. Well, maybe somewhere, but on the whole, we put a foundation into them. What? Because we recognize this word is a good word. This is putting good morals into them. Respect your elders. I get a slap across the head if I got on a bus. Stand up and give that old man or that old woman your seat. Or just give a woman your seat. Now we don't see these things. But there were morals that we actually had in govern our society. So we teach the word of God to them. And that's what the Lord has said. Now remember this. And I was going to say here. Our Lord is an autocratic ruler. He's not a democratic puppet. So when we come to the word of God and we try and deal with God, that sometimes we try and look at how do, how do you perceive God? God is an autocratic ruler. He's not a democratic puppet. And that basically means that in the, the mercy of the, mass, the masses, it's God's word here. This is the word of God. Hallelujah. And God expects us to be obedient to this word, to obey this word, not to be your word. It's his word. It's his way or it's the highway. And sometimes we can actually struggle with that. God's not even here to debate with us how we should live our lives. This word here is the word that God says. Now, this is how you should live your life. It's, I've given you my word. Therefore, that's why I remember held the Bible up and says, you better be reading this word. You want to know how to live your life? Read this word and let it impact you. As someone says, you don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you. I like that one, isn't it? You think you're reading the Bible, but the Bible's reading you. Amen. So let that word go deep into you and let it challenge you. Let it look press the raw nerves and guess what we've all got raw nerves we've all got those wee points in your body you touch it and you know you think somebody's doing great and then you say something to them there's something we said this morning and somebody's way out the door I won't say anything more than that but anyway glory to God the Lord again oversees an autocracy not a democracy you might say thank God for democracy well, actually, democracy is probably not as great as you think because now it's just because everybody, I can do what I want and everybody thinks they can do what I want. They're answerable to themselves now and we've lost that sense of being under, if you like, uh, an authoritativeness. So it's my life, as someone once says, I'm a free spirit, bro. I'm a free spirit. I come, I go, I do this, I do that. It's my life. I'll lead my life as I want to lead my life. Well, that's fine as long as you're not breaking the big rules that govern society. But it's, listen, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I remember somebody says that when I started smoking. Don't smoke. Who are you telling not to smoke? I'll smoke if I want to smoke. Don't drink. I think I'll have a drink. That was one of those things that somebody says to me. When you see the word don't do something, that usually means I'm going to do it. It's that wee kind of, it's that wee kind of rebellion that's in all of us. We're all born as rebels. That's why you don't need to teach a child to do wrong. They're just going to automatically do wrong. And they may get a good image, but then they're going to come and they're going to challenge you. We all know about that, don't we? And I'm sure we're all there once ourselves, challenging. We do that, isn't it? I'm a free spirit. The definition of a free spirit is this, and I looked up the dictionary for it. 
an independent or an inhibited spirit, a person who does what he or she wants with enjoyment and pleasure and does not feel limited by the usual rules of social behavior. Amen. Welcome to the free world. That's what they say here about the Western world. Welcome. Everybody wants to leave the Chinas and, and leave all these restricted places that, you know, that kind of bring terrible enforcement and you're under a strong, authoritative government. You step out of line, boy. You know you're about of line and you're going to get dealt with. So we always think, well, come to the free world. We're free. But are we as free as we think? There's a lot of problems. Freedom brings an awful lot of problems. And you just have to look at the world today and you will see that. They says there were some Christians who escaped from one of these authoritarian regimes like Iran and stuff, the underground church, because there's great oppression. It says a couple of them came to America. And once we're in America for so long, they went, we're going back to Iran because this to us is just oppressive because of just the state of the church and the state of Christians and how they lived their lives. That's actually a true story. Norman, I think, read it from one of his wee articles. I'm not saying that about everyone. But this is the spirit of the world. It's not the spirit of the kingdom of God. Amen. This is the spirit that's in the world, but this is not the spirit that is in the kingdom of God, which God has called us to. That's the biggest challenge we've got today, I believe anyway, or the biggest problem facing the church, not necessarily the problem facing the church. Instead of the kingdom of God invading the world, the world has actually turned around and invaded the kingdom of God. Amen. And Satan has an army of preachers, teachers, ministers, prophets, and apostles in the church to lead people down the garden path. I want to tell you that right now. And the, and the Bible actually will back that up. I'll, I'll read a portion of scripture just to justify that. Satan has got an army of people inside the church who are actually leading people down the garden path with a lot of false doctrines and a lot of false teachings. The church is awash with it. Don't just listen to me, friends. See if you just Google a lot of stuff that's out there that's passing and Christians. And I believe they're very sincere. But someone says, but you can be very sincerely wrong. You ever been there? Very sincere and you're doing something and then fast forward it down the road and you're like, do you know what I mean? Maybe I, was, maybe I was just a wee bit wet behind the ears there and got that wrong. Let's just read a wee portion here from Timothy. Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy 4, just reading a few verses. Paul writing to Timothy, a great man of God. In the presence of God, chapter 4, 2 Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now listen to verse 3 to 4. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires... They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. And I believe that's the situation. There's some great churches today, but I want to tell you this, there's a lot of stuff passing this Christian teaching today which is not in sound and with this word of God. Everything has to be in accordance with this word. So basically, and I'll go back on to that hyper-grace which I brought out last week and how it was against the, you know, the true love of the Lord. It's a license to sin with impunity. Remember 007, James Bond, it was a license to kill. So he is licensed, that man was licensed, so he was licensed, he could go out there and operate and be able to kill people for the sake, of was a sacred agent, for the, he had a license to be able to carry that gun and to be able to have the authority to use that run. I've got saying there's a lot of people now who are licensed to sin with impunity. Like, hey bro, what's the problem? As if it's my life, I'm a free spirit, and I can choose to do what I want to do, as if you've been given a license. So people don't like getting told how to live their lives. Yet Paul's writing to Timothy, he said, listen, teach the people. Teach the people the word of God. Minister to them the word of God and what the laws and this word is saying to them. And to do that, so... Again, I want to say this, that people just don't like getting told what to do with their lives. It's not only kids don't like getting told what to do with their lives. See, when you grow up, you definitely don't like getting told what to do. Who you see buying his gums about? Oh, here we go again. Oh, aye. Oh, aye, aye. And da-da-da-da. I can say a lot of things and I won't say that. Do you think I'll be picking on you? Like, <laughs> we need to come to the house of prayer, brethren. 
Aye, you go to the house of prayer, I'll, I'll sit in front of the TV, I've got a couple of Netflix farms. I don't know what you do outside of that. That's all I'm saying is, and I know somebody's really far, I get that, not a problem. I'm just saying, no, if you could be at a prayer meeting and you're not at a prayer meeting, ask yourself the question, why am I not at the prayer meeting? If you're sitting doing something mundane thing, you know, that like playing tiddlywinks or something, or you're, you're sitting there aimlessly and I'm killing time, I appreciate we've all got lives and busyness, and I can't necessarily be at the prayer meeting, but we should have our own personal prayer time, and we need to have our public gathering together in our prayer times hallelujah I can see we're going to be this is going to be one of those challenging meetings isn't it could you imagine that you know that you don't like getting told could you imagine you're into the army and you just get into your army and go right okay and well by the way just set a few ground rules sergeant before we enter in here I don't really like getting told what to do so I don't get up in the morning to nine o'clock it's okay if you got that tick that one off and also I just don't like being having been given all that drill business could be ease down in that as well could you imagine that? No, when you get into the army, yes sir, no sir, three bags full, sir, boof, 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 boof. Well, I don't feel like doing that. You're going to get dragged out and, and you're going to get dealt with. Do you think they would put up with that? No, they wouldn't put up with that. Do you think if you joined the police, that you could just think, okay, I'm going to, no, this is how I want my life to go. No, you're, you're going to be told what to do. And if you can't cope with that, you're going to see the door. You just say, out the door, son. You're not used to us. Because you can only be used to us because they have to, you have to get used to taking orders. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. Yes, sir. Now, there's Michael. Michael could come up and do that far better than me, and he probably could get him marching up and down there, and, and he would do it far better than me as well. Do you know why? Because he was trained on the, on the, on the parade ground. Boop, boop, boop. Had to get it just to a T. Everything had to be polished. Everything had to be perfect. Michael's told me some good stories, you know. Maybe they, they come into the barracks and they turn things over, like just a little thing that's upside down. Boop, bang, it's up in the air, and then get that tidied up. Why? Because they're breaking you, boy. So what? So that you're going to listen to orders. There has to be that breaking down. Breaking down of that old nature, which all of us have got. Hence the reason I didn't join the army, because that probably wouldn't have been, I'd have struggled. I wish I had. Because it would have probably sorted a lot of nonsense and stupid nonsense and, and stopped me going on a pathway, which really was pathetic and I wish I hadn't went there. So it would have been probably good for me if I had actually did that. Get into the army, get a bit of backbone and, get a, and listen to being told what to do rather than just laughing and saying, no, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Listen, you fast forward it into life, friends. I want to tell you this. You look back and go, I wish I'd have listened and stuck in hard at school. Here's a wee word for you younger ones. I wish I'd have stuck in hard and really did a better job in school because it's going to be later on in life. I mean, I say that with the guitar. I better not talk about it because I wish I'd have learned to play the guitar when I was young because I quite fancied that. Still can't play the guitar, but I'm so there's, there's, there's time. So we get this, don't we? Now listen, let me now move up to Hebrews, and I'm going to read one verse from you, and you're going to go, wow, does the Bible actually say that? Now listen to this. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this, Obey your leaders, submit to their authority, for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be a no advantage to you. Now, as it says, this is the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of the world. I've just shared with you principles in the kingdom of the world that if you were in any organization, you would be duty-bound to. But sometimes we come into church now, and much, well, there was a much time in the past when people actually were much easier to be able to say they would be listening very carefully and they would be easier in responding. But we're living in a very rebellious generation just now. I mean super rebellious the, this spirit of the world now is camped right in the midst of the church. And sometimes now people just don't like getting told what to do. Amen. And so they say, well, you know, so they don't like listening. Well, listen to me. I don't really tell anybody. I mean, that, that, if I told anybody in here, you better give me 300 pounds a week. Or, you know. <laughs> you, uh, you wish. <laughs> but the Bible says that... that God has given his leaders within the church. Trouble is, everybody's got their own leaders. They're all in that big Google box up there, aren't they? Oh, he's my favorite preacher. I'm a side dish. I'm the, I'm the dessert, but that's the main course. And we've all got people that we listen to. And I won't mention names because I upset people. I'm tempted to, but I won't. And that's, what, that's, that's the meat. He's the bones. So we, we'll turn up there on a Sunday. And I'm not saying that unkindly. I'm sure you don't think I'm a bag of bones. Technically, I'm a bag of bones in one sense, you know. I think we sung a song about bones, did we? We did, thank you. Yes. We're all really a bag of bones, just dressed in flesh. Hallelujah. But we've got this going on, haven't we? 
I do not like heavy shepherding because I came, I know ministries that were heavy shepherding. Heavy shepherding was, it was like there were Louis many Hitlers. And it's like they ruled a roost and man, they spoke and it was much more dictatorial to the people. I like to lead the people with example rather than just try and enforce things on them and, and come across with a big stick, the Moses type figure. And Moses was anything but a dictatorial ruler, I might add, but we're living in a different culture. So I dislike that heavy shepherd and these little Hitlers. What I like is with Paul. Paul says this, be you followers of me, even as I follow Christ. So I've not got a problem. I always used to say that with Ben Patu. I've not got a problem. I've not got a problem. Anybody telling me, right, you need to do this, you need to do that, as long as we can back it up with this. Because if he says, do this and do that, and I can't find it in here, then I've got a problem. And I've said to people, and can I just say this as a wee sideline here just now? See if I've ever preached anything and you think, that's wrong. Oh, I don't agree with that. Ooh, that's a wee bit kind of far out there, is it not? Then please, Come and speak to me and say, Pastor, do you know last Sunday, you preached this, you taught that, you said this, but don't come to me with, a, with, with Joyce Meyer, or sorry, I said I shouldn't have actually mentioned names, book, or Benny's book, or any other book, and says, well, you know, um, my preacher says, no, you come to me with this book, and you say to me, do you know what you said there? I think you got that wrong, and that's not really what the Bible said. And I would like to think I'm humble enough to say the following week, and I will say to you this, and listen to me, I'm condemning myself with my words, and see if you can show me in the word, and we actually can sit down, and I thought, you're right. I will stand up the following week and say, by the way, I said this last week, and say, Alan just decided to came and challenged me with the word of God, and, um, and now I've looked at something, and I've looked at it in a different light, can I just say, I'm sorry, I think I got that wrong. I, I, I maybe just, maybe, I didn't quite get that right. Now that my brother or my sister showed me something, I think, no, I've got that wrong. I would like to think I was big enough to be able to say, I got that wrong, guys, so please don't hold it against me. I'm, I repent. <laughs> I don't think it's quite a repentance, but I would, I'd like to think I got that wrong. And sometimes it's good to say that to our children because see the verses I read to you in Ephesians 1 to 3, uh, 6, 1 to 3. And it said this, it says, you know, fathers, don't exasperate your children. There's a lot of ministers that can, ask, can exasperate the congregation. It said, be careful you don't exasperate them because then they may become bitter and discouraged. So we need to be very careful as ministers as well. We have to be careful with that, you know, so when come, that I don't exasperate the people with the word of God because I'm telling you, it's very easy to exasperate people and use this word in a very powerful way that can leave people totally and utterly shattered and, you know, because don't forget this, we will all stand before the living God. And that's what I'd like to say to any of you shepherds that might end up listening to this, who knows. Do you know the Bible says this, nobody should be anxious to become a leader in God's church. you know why? Because leaders are going to be judged twice as much as anybody else. Because I now am actually teaching something that could be leading people down the garden path on a doctrine that's not actually get substance in the word of God. And God says, you will, be, you will be dealt with doubly as much. You'll be held far more accountable because of the position that you're holding within the kingdom of God. That scares me. It does. That's why I says, Oren, do you think it's easy to, to speak? Have I got this right? Am I speaking the right spirit? This means because I can pick a word up. Am I getting it right? Am I not getting the right? Lord, I wouldn't like to think I'm encouraging people in something and I could be wrong. I wouldn't like to think that. I'd like to think, I like to think when I see the Lord, who says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in what I'd asked you to do. Come on into the kingdom, which all of us, I sure, would want to hear that, don't we? We want to be like we are running up there and just say, come on in. I don't want to be left standing in the corner and say, I'm going to have to deal with you, son. There might be a bit of that going on in the kingdom of God. In fact, there might be more so. Like you want to get in and say, sorry, you're not getting in. What do you mean I'm not getting in? I'm a minister. I was, I was out there shaking my mouth off in the streets. I was praying for the sick. I tell you the truth, I didn't know you. Because you weren't in the right spirit. That's in the word of God as well. So glory to God. Let me push on. Hallelujah. Remember this, it's, it's very easy sometimes as well as, you know, leaders as, you know, Dead easy to blame somebody else, isn't it? Adam pointed the finger at Eve. Well, it wasn't my fault. It was their fault because they told me all this in the first place. Their fault, you know, it was her fault. <laughs> I, st I did that quickly when her eyes were dead. <laughs> it was that woman you gave me. It was her fault. She was the one that came and, you know, and God says, is that right? And, and, and then she points the finger to the devil. And I won't even go down that old road, you know, and the devil didn't ever like to stand on, you know, being the snake. But anyway, 
But God deals with them all. But then he deals with Adam. You know why? What does he deal with Adam? And he says, but Adam got judged as well. Although he, it was his wife who was deceived and she then encouraged her husband to eat the fruit. And he says, but you're getting judged as well because you should never have listened to your wife in the first place. Because I spoke to you, you knew the word of God. You knew the word of God. And this is where we have to know the word of God, brethren. Glory to God, look at that. Plenty of time because I've got plenty more to say. Because I want you to reinforce this point here. Hallelujah. Do you remember the rich man and Lazarus? Jesus tells us the parable. There's a rich man and then there's, a, there's, there's this man, Lazarus, as well. And it says, you know, then if two of them find themselves in two different places, one finds himself up there in paradise, the bosom of Abraham, and, and the rich man finds himself in a terrible place. Listen, for if you don't acknowledge Jesus Christ in this life, you're going to go to a terrible place. That is the word of God. That's what God says. And this man now is in a terrible, terrible place, terrible agony. And he looks across this chasm and he sees Lazarus. And, he, and, and he's begging Abraham to send Lazarus to be some water. He says, I'm, I'm in agony in this place. He says, sorry, son, you had your good life. You had a good life. He had a terrible life. And this man has now been, you know, has been comforted. But you are reaping what you sowed. And he says, but Lord, he says, but at least... Send them back to my, would you send them back to my brothers to warn them? Because I don't want my brothers to come here. I don't want my brothers to come here. And the Lord says this. No, he says, they've got the word of God. They've got the word. If they don't believe this word, they won't even believe it, even if somebody from the dead rose and spoke to them. That's the importance of this word. They've got the word. And all of us have got the word. The rich man had the word, but he never put it into practice because he was living his life for himself. Hallelujah. And there was always going to be a D-Day. We should be living our lives from the Lord. Now let's go on and we'll just jump back to Luke 8, 21. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to read a few scriptures and I don't, you know, because, you know, someone says a text isolated, it becomes a pretext. Hallelujah. And then, you, just lost that. A text isolated becomes a pretext, which basically is a lie. Amen. You have to actually build the picture. So you don't just grab one scripture. I'm going to grab quite a few scriptures here today to reinforce this point is, are we living in obedience to the Lord? Which the Bible very clearly is asking us to do. Now here it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There was a time when Jesus is ministering to the crowds and his mother and his brothers can't even get to speak to him because everybody is now before him. And as they come and they send word to Jesus, and Jesus says this, one verse, 8 and verse 21 says this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Or another version will say this, what that means is, for those who hear God's word and obey God's word. So there's one thing to hear the word of God, but it's more important that we are obedient to the word. We could just drop up there to Luke 11, further up there, verse 28, Luke 11, verse 28. And again, a woman in the crowd shouts out to Jesus. She says, blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. And Jesus turns to her and says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Hear it and then obey it. Amen. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey the word of God, which is very, very important there again as we see this has been unfolded before us. Let us jump up now to... Jesus highlights the faith of the centurion. Let's drop back to Luke 7. I've kept them all in Luke. And Jesus now is highlighting the faith of the centurion. Now listen to this one, okay? We'll just kind of drop in at verse 6. But there's a centurion that the, the Pharisees or the leaders within Israel come to Jesus and says, listen, Lord Jesus, would you go? This man needs your help. This man is a great blessing to us, our people, and our nation. And so Jesus agrees to see him. So verse 6, it says this. So Jesus went with them. But he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve you to come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself are a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and I say to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he amazed at them and turning to the crowd, he says, I tell you the truth, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And the men turned and went and his servant was healed. Now, what was it Jesus was commending there? Here is a centurion. Lord, I know what it's like to be under authority. I says, when I get told what to do, I do it. I don't think about it. Do this, I do it. I've got men under me. You, do that. Do this. You, here. Poof. That is not army tradition of anybody's in there. That's what people were molded on. People didn't think. They were, they were people under authority. He says, I know what it's like under authority. I recognize your authority. Just you say the word and it shall be done. 
Hallelujah. And Jesus marveled and said, wow, what great faith. What was the faith? Was this man recognized obedience? He recognized authority. There is no greater authority than the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say to us today, he is the ultimate greatest authority. But how often do we actually, do we give him his place as that authority? Do we give him his place? Or are we actually living up in our own place? And then we just kind of flap it off a wee bit. Oh, well, well, well. Are we walking in obedience to the Lord? The Bible says we need to walk in obedience to this word. And what is God saying to you and saying to me? Glory to God. Let's just drop up there. What else have we got there? Got lots of scriptures here. But let's go up to Luke 17 now. And we'll read from verse 6 to 10. Now, Jesus, again, speaking about the aspect of faith, he says, he replied this, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you is a servant plowing and looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down and eat? Or would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait in me while I eat and drink? After that, you may, after that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, now this is the word of Jesus here, it's in red letters. So you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. People who knew what authority it was. Do you know what I find sometimes in the day? I always think that God owes me a favor. God owes me. If I do something, I go, come on, you, you, go on, you owe me. God doesn't owe you anything. See, the trouble is with the church, we've turned into God to be our servant rather than we are his servants. As if God owes you, like, a brilliant life. You should have a brilliant life. That your life should be fantastic and great and glorious. God is, you know, want your best life now. Is that Joel Osteen? Sorry, I went and mentioned another name there. But he has been, I'm sure there's many people preach that message. Your best life now. So I should be staying in a big house. I should be staying in a big car. I should, I should be living in nice, having nice things round about me. Listen, I'm not against nice things round about me. But it's as if, but God owes me. God owes me a good life. That should be a, a good life. He owes me good things. It's not according to the scriptures. It's like, God doesn't, what does God owe you? God owes you nothing. You owe him everything. We were lost in sins and trespasses. I was destined to go to hell. That's, my, that's where I was heading to. I was a sinner. He's the great, the glorious one. By his great love and compassion for me and his benevolence, he reached out to me while I was lying in the dung, doing nothing with myself. He reached out to me and he gave me a second chance at life. And he said, right, come on up, son. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's like, I will go, here's, here's another one, listen. Wealth, health, and prosperity gospel. God the Father or the Godfather. It's like, sow your seed. Sow your seed so you want God to do something for you. You better give him a thousand pounds. Listen, it's a wash in the God TV channel, guys. Listen, I'm not, I'm not pulling this out the air. All right, it's okay, okay. So, so you know, I, me I remember once being in a meeting. It was Andrew, Andrew Owens Church, to be truthful. And the guy whose name was Seattle. Anyway, we'll leave his name out of it just now. <laughs> and basically it says... But it, no, it wasn't him, but it wasn't him. It was, somebody brought a kind of word before they took up the offering. It says, right, get, put your offering in your hand. I was struggling. I mean, I was, I was, I was, scared. I was driving that old pole at the time. Remember, I told you that. Like, you know, I had a pound in my pocket. I mean, I, I had a wife and a couple of kids. Life was tough for us, wasn't it, Lynn? I stuck it in my pocket. I took the pound out. And he goes, right, now hold your hand up in the air. Thank God you can have a close fist. Eh? <laughs> I would be mortified. And there was now, now. Depending what's in your hand will depend on how far the Red Sea is going to be opened up for you. <laughs> I, mean, I could feel myself, my face getting a wee bit flushed here. I, mean, I can't even see a puddle pattern for me. And it was that you felt terrible. Like, you know, depending on how much you're able to give, God will depend on what God is going to do for you. Do you think God needs you to pay him to, to, to do him, you know? Do you think God needs your money? Do you think I've got to pay God to get God something to do for me? Now that is, it might not be glaringly obvious. I'm spitting all over the place here. <laughs> did you know sometimes how many times did Jesus spit and touch people's eyes and his tongues? <laughs> Don't despise spitting, guys. But that beside, do you think 
for God to do something and you've got to do you've got to give God money or you need to pour money into one of these big preachers if you want a part of his anointing you better pour some money into the pockets anybody can believe that I think you've left your I think you've left your brain in the car park someplace away back there someplace honestly let's read the word as what the word is saying I don't read anything about that I believe in giving by the way I do believe in giving I believe in God honoring God with my whole life and that means part of my money as well that then that I will be I will I will I will acknowledge God with my money and all my substance hallelujah glory to God so I'm not against giving offerings there's a box here we never mentioned that by the way we'll take the offering up at the end of the, the end of the service just want to throw that out there but listen to me guys that is not that is not a truth that is not a truth depending on how much money I give to God and I remember through the back there there was a guy there was this guy on the tv they're hypnotic these people hypnotic right now he says he says, I'm going to pay a special blessing over you, but you need to give a thousand pounds. If you give a thousand pounds, this blessing is on the way, it's on the way. Get to the phone, get to the phone, get to the phone. I'm sitting there listening to this. Get to the phone right now, pick up the phone, make a pledge, make a pledge. And don't tell me you've not got any money. Get, get, put it on the credit card. Trust God. And it's like, I've heard it firsthand from many, many preachers today, as if God needs your money. God doesn't need your money. But I want to tell you this, if you're a miserable so-and-so, then that is, that, is, that is another terrible thing. We do honor God with my money, but I don't honor God with my money to get God to do something with me. I just come before him in prayer and say, Father, look, I'm struggling here, Lord, going to help me. Lord, I need your help in this situation. Please, Father, would you help me? I mean, drink, I have, if my son wants, them, wants me to do something, and we only got to come up here, he's a fiver, Papa, any chance you could... Guys, let's get realistic here. We're dealing with stuff and, and, I, and I've just got off to that kind of sidetrack there as well because it means an awful lot to me, friends, honestly. And I believe God is, something needs to be said in these days in which we find ourselves. And do you know something? I've got a wonderful finish here. It's a wonderful finish. And it is, but I don't know if I get time to finish it. Have I got time to finish it? It'll probably take me 15 minutes. But I think I've got to since I'm on this track. So let, bear with me, okay? Glory to God. And see on that theme, God, God doesn't own you, owe you your best life now. But can I assure you of this? Every single one of us, God has reserved the best life for us, but it's at the end. And guess what? It's endless. God never promised the perfect world. He says, in this world you will trouble, but take care of overcome the world. But can I tell you, see when the Son of God comes back into this earth, that's when your best life is going to begin. You know why? You're going to get a brand new body. You're going to get a brand new world. We're going to be changed and transformed. There'll be no tears. There'll be no, there'll be no sickness. There'll be no, there'll be no nothing. There'll be no wickedness. There'll be perfect peace. Heaven coming to earth. It will be changed. And life will be wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. No death. No destruction. No thinking, oh, I better not do that, it's a bad thing. No, your mind and everything will be totally and utterly transformed. See, your best life is coming, but you just need to wait to the end. Be patient. Jesus says, be patient, I'm coming. For those who are being patient, waiting for me, he says, I'm coming. Do you know what's coming for us? Thank God there is a best life, but it's at the end. It's not here. That's a soulish government. That's a soulish gospel. And it just wants to make you feel comfortable in this world. And listen, it's good to be comfortable in the world. I'm not against that. But let's go there. Right, let's go to 1 Samuel now and we'll finish with 1 Samuel. Now this is good. If I say so myself, coming straight from the pages of the Word of God. Hallelujah. And we're dealing with the man Saul. 1 Samuel 15, we'll probably break into verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. This morning, the word of God is coming to put your name there. Amen. As I said, you need to personalize the Bible. It's always, oh, that's always for somebody else. That's for you. <laughs> just pointing, just picture it there, Anne. Just because you happen to be in my gaze. But this is it. You have to say, this word is for me. It's for me. Let's just not say, oh, that was the word to Samuel. You know, you know or to Saul. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved I have made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instruction. He's not been obedient to me. And Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul's already gone to Carmel. There he's built a monument in his own honor and he's turned and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel reached him and Saul said, the Lord bless you. 
I've carried out the Lord's instructions. God bless you. I've, I've carried out the instructions given to me. I was to go and kill the Amalekites and deal with them. I've done the Lord's business. And Samuel says, well, what's all this bleating I can hear? The sound of sheep and goats in my ear. What's, you know? And Saul answered, well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me. That's a scary thing, isn't it? When a prophet comes to you and says, hey, listen. Listen to what God's told me last night about you. You'd be like, uh, okay, tell me. And he does. Samuel says, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. Then he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Malachites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But hey, I did obey the Lord. I went on a mission and the Lord assigned me to. I completely destroyed the Malachites and brought back Agag, Ag, 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 their king. The soldiers took the sheep, the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God and offered sacrifices so that we could offer them a sacrifice to the Lord. Again, wow. And Samuel said this, and it's good for all of us to hear this. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has re rejected you as king. Amen. Listen, guys, let's say this. It's not easy to come into the house of the Lord and praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. No, instead, that's wonderful, that's worship unto the Lord. But am I, that's worship, but am I, am I walking in obedience to him? Am I doing what God is telling me to do? Am I governing my life with this word? Am I living in obedience? A parrot can come and worship the Lord, but is a parrot walking in obedience to the voice of God? See this word here this morning, guys, this is a strong word. But I want to tell you this. See if you listen and hear what the Spirit of God has sent you today, this word will transform your life, transform your life, and it will put you onto a place. I want to tell you this, it's going to take you on a fantastic journey when you hear this word and you start to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying through the word. Now let's just unpackage that a little bit. Glory to God. I'm taking this watch off, it's bothering me. There's that big timepiece up there now as well, so don't get, don't get too... I remember once I was preaching someplace and they were like, no, keep preaching, keep preaching, keep preaching, don't stop, don't stop. That was me one time and Ben, ben Patu was preaching. Do you know why? Because I was sitting there and I was like, wow, this is phenomenal, this is good. I, I was like, I was really, I was absorbing it, I was caught up in it. Glory to God. And I pray that God will more and more help me to communicate a word. This is why Thomas encouraged me. Well, young, young Robbie, oh, Robbie doesn't mind me pointing him out. Thomas says to me, he says, one day he walked out there and we, Robbie, says, you know something, Dad, I really like Pastor Arthur. He goes, well, that's nice, son. What does he like about him? He says, I can understand him. Do you know, I could have taken that positively, which I did, Robbie, or I could have taken that negatively. What, a wee teenage boy can understand me? I can't remember I mean, I'm preaching to such a high standard. I mean, I need intellects to be able to understand me. And, but you know something, Robbie, that really encouraged me. I just want to let you know that as well. That encourages me. Glory to God. The most important thing is people can hear and understand what is actually getting said. Now, listen, let's just, I've got a couple of points and I'm going to roll them out. It was time for God to punish the Amalekites for what had happened when they came out of Egypt. They were attacked Israel. Now, God took years before he dealt with them, but he's going to deal with them. Listen, don't think whatever you think you're doing is you're not going to be held accountable for it. There's going to be an accounting for our lives somewhere down the channel of time, unless, of course, we've repented of them. Saul is giving clear instructions. You have to get in there and kill every single one of them, annihilate them, cattle, everything, deal with the whole bunch. That was God's judgment on this wicked, and they were a very wicked people. Some people struggle to say, well, that's not very nice, God. He's telling me going to kill men, women, children, and the whole, the whole shabackle. I don't know if I like that. Listen, don't try and second guess God. This was a very wicked people. You don't know the things that this people were busy doing and there were communities. So he was under clear instructions. He knew exactly what he was to do and he was a king and he's heading out there with his men on this mission. He spares the best 
destroys all the rubbish, all the things that was despised and rubbish. Get rid of that. But show the best, big fat cows and calves and the golden things. I, 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 no, I'll, I'll, get rid of the, I'll get rid of the rubbishy things, but I'm, I'm going to hang on to the good things. Do you know what I find this about Christians? They come to Jesus. It's dead easy to get rid of the rubbish things in my life, but there's, some, there's certain things I'm awful. I'm not quite prepared to deal with that. Do you know why? Because it's, it means something to me. Let's break this down. I'm trying to break this down. So hang on to some things because I'm not quite prepared to get rid of them. It's easy to get rid of the rubbish things in your life, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you, it's easy to get into your house and you've got a house clean today. Oh, for Pete's sake. Oh, oh, I'm not quite sure about that. Us guys are terrible for that, isn't it? I just put that in the garage. That's why my garage is full of rubbish. It's easy to get rid of the, the rubbishy things but it's dealing with the right things. And sometimes, you know, as somebody says, there's something there you feel to get rid of, you can't. But let's see, rock music, I know people that hang on to their old rock records. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. See, rock music, it doesn't come from the heavenly courts and the heavenly places of worship. See all that rock music and a lot of these rock stars, Stones, Floyd, Genesis. Listen to me, its source is not coming from the heavenly kingdom. It's coming from the dark side. That's what it is. It's coming from the dark side. And, um, and we have to be careful with that stuff. That we have to get rid of that stuff. We don't want to give that stuff our ear space. Anyway, listen, that's just a side line here as well. But God was grieved what? Because of his disobedience. Do you know something? God was grieved because he was disobedient. He wasn't listening to him. Now his parents, let me go back to this. See when your children, see when your children are really very well mannered. You ever been someplace and your kids are like, well, and your kids are, they're, they're an honor to you, aren't they? You ever been sometime in some place and your kids are creating merry havoc and everybody else's kids are behaving and you're like that and it's like, I'm embarrassed. You ever been there, been there often, <laughs> my kids? Been there often and you're like, you're so embarrassed. Your kids are what, embarrassing you? It bothers us as parents. How much more so with the living God? Sometimes that we be, you know, we cause them grief because of our actions because we're not walking in line with his word, and we're doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing, and the Lord is grieved. Oh, do you know? We see the, soul, we see the side of Saul. Saul now, he does a great victory. What does he do? He builds a monument to himself. And all of a sudden, he puts this big monument up. I'm Saul, look what I've accomplished. Puts a big monument up, immediately gets and builds up the monument. And then he's off his way down to Gilgal. I love sometimes that these preachers, I've been, I've been in some conferences, right? And the preacher comes out and everybody's all standing and applauding them. They created that culture. I remember being at Paul Scanlon's church and they created that culture. That was created. You have to honor the man of God. So when the man of God comes out, oh, oh, everybody stands up and all the rest of it. I was at a conference on with the LG and Paul Scanlon came out. Paul Scanlon brought 40 of his own people with him and they all jumped up. Oh, and we were all, we were all, we were all kind of sitting because it wasn't quite in the culture. And that when you have to respect the man of God, you have to give, you know, that's just giving respect, it's giving honor. And then the man would come out and he would stand there and some of the big stage, everybody's all clapping him and he stands there like that and he basks in it everywhere. And then he does this. As if all the glory to God. But he's already basked already in applause, you know. He gets plenty of applause first just to build himself up and then he does. All the glory to God. Now maybe that is the case. See, if it was me, I'd be like, look, sit down and shut up. I'd like to think that, but you never know, see if I would get to that big platform and all of a sudden I'm with the red carpet brigade, I'm on a flying jet, I'm on a, I'm a, my private jet, and I'm standing in front of multitudes of people. I'll probably, I'll probably even get to preach, I'll just stand there for the 40 minutes. <laughs> right, take an offer now, that's us, we're away now. <laughs> Jets on the drive, we were ready to fly. Anyway, so he builds a monument, shows us where the man is, okay? Now he's making excuses. Oh, what's all this noise in my ears and the sheep and the cow? Well, it was the soldiers. Oh, well, it was Eve. It was Eve. We've always got the same problem, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was the soldiers spared all the calves. And, you know, it was them who did it because but we've got a plan. We're going to sacrifice them unto the Lord. I bet you were high. Pull the other leggers, get bells on it. But anyway, so he's trying to appease the man here as well. And Samuel says this, stop, stop. I'm saying it threefold, stop. I believe that's what the Lord would love to do to a lot of churches just now and say, stop, stop. 
Stop excusing, stop making these, stop trying to make all these flimsy excuses of why you're doing church as you're doing them as such, you know. And I believe the Lord is going to actually raise up prophets today actually to challenge a lot of stuff that's out there which is not representing God and it's certainly not rooted in this word. And that is my prayer. Father, send your word to Scotland. I want you to tell you, when that word comes to Scotland, it's going to be ouch to the church. And we desperately need to hear that word of the Lord today that we can see the, the Lord God, send your prophets back into the church. Hallelujah. Let's stop making excuses. Hallelujah. And hear what the word of God is actually saying, not what I think it's saying. You see, Saul was convinced I was fine. After, ah, I'm doing the word of God. I can take you maybe, oh, well, you're doing the word of God. This, this is fine. Is it? And then off the back of what I just read there, you know, does God delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices more than obeying his voice? Everything's to do with obedient, being obedient to the word of God. It's easy to offer up a sacrifice, but you walk in obedience. Jesus says those who hear my word and are obedient to that word. Amen. And the final one is this, but when the judgment is pronounced, he reluctantly then, or I've got soulishly acknowledges and says this in verse 24, I have sinned. You know, up until then he's always making excuses but, 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 but it's not my fault and then eventually when the word of God is preached to him like that right okay I've sinned I acknowledge my sin but do you know something with Saul it wasn't sincere do you know the difference is see when David sinned I want you to tell you this it was sincere and it came from the heart many people today it's a soulish oh God forgive me oh do you know, do you know God will forgive you but it needs to come from the heart Lord, I'm, I'm, I, Lord I've, I made a big mistake here I've sinned I've not, been, I've not been walking. I've not been walking as I should have been walking. I, I've hung on to that stuff and I should never have hung on to it. And I was justifying why I needed to hang on to it and get right with the Lord. Praise God. You'll be glad to know I'm finished. I want to say to you, look, you take this word away and weigh this word. We need to be, we need to get in line with the word. Not make the word line up with us, but we need to line up with the word, amen? It's not about the word realigning the word so that it suits me and keeps me happy. I need to find out, what is that word saying? What is that word saying to me? That's why I'm on a journey, and I'm still on that journey, and I says, I need to find out the truth of this word. It's so important to know what this word is saying, for my life is dependent upon it. My life and how I govern my life is going to be dependent upon this. Today, I want to tell you this like never before, we need to be walking in obedience with God's word. Glory to God. And I just commend that to you, brothers and sisters. And can I say, I love you all in Christ Jesus. And, uh, but I want to be faithful for God. I'm not wanting to be a people pleaser. I want to be pleasing the Lord. And if I've got something wrong in the wrong spirit, then please forgive me. But I want to tell you this. And it's like, as I waited upon the Lord, it's been very deep in my heart. What does it mean to love God? And then the second part of that is, because Jesus said, those who love me will walk will obey my word. So if, how much you are walking in obedience to the Lord, that means that could quantify how much that I really love the Lord. Can I encourage us all, let us fall in love with the Lord afresh and let us take hold of this word and start walking to its dictates because it is a dictate word. It's not like take it or leave it. It's you better take it. Hallelujah. For this is the word of the living God. Hallelujah. And if you can actually take this and fall in love with it, God's ways are not burdensome, my friend. See when you're walking right before the Lord. See when you're walking right before the Lord. That is the most time when I feel my happiest. See when I'm just living for the Lord. And, I, and I'm not saying I'm always doing that, guys. Please, I'm not painting myself a picture here for a round of applause. I know my seasons. I look back at me in the mirror. I know where my flesh can sometimes want to just kind of pull my hair out. Okay? What I'm saying is this though, see when I know that I'm just walking right with the Lord and I'm, I'm spending time in the word, I'm spending time in prayer and I'm walking across the hills and I'm walking up to meet with the Lord, I feel as if I'm in heaven and there's nothing in this world that can ever compete with it. When you know you've got the approval of God and you just feel as the Lord just saying, here's my son coming to meet with me. And I walk up there through the hills and I says, Father, and I'm just praying. I'm just coming up to my place of prayer. And I went, you know, I stood up once and I stood, I said this once in front of pastors, I'm kind of digressing, but listen to this. I stood before the Lord one morning. I'm just feeling good. In the realm of the spirit. And I'm standing up there and I went, Lord, I feel as if I'm the, I'm, I just feel as if I'm the luckiest man in the whole of Scotland, right? I shared that at a minister's meeting. It was Melvin, Melvin, Melvin Milnes, right? But they, they took it wrong. 
I was using that as an illustration to say, when you find that place, but some people took it like, oh, listen to him. Oh, so he's God's favorite in the whole of Scotland. Is it? I says, Lord, I'm the luckiest man in the whole of Scotland. They took me wrong, as if I was standing up there like, you know, <laughs> I'm the man of the moment. They actually missed out on what I was actually saying. In the spirit, what I was saying is every single one of us could be the luckiest man or the luckiest woman in the, in the world when we all find ourselves in our place with God. That is the place we need to find, brethren. When you find that place, I want to tell you this, you've found everything. Everything will fall into place. This world will pale into insignificance and you will know the kingdom of God is here in your life. And that's what I want. When I've got that, I've, I'm like, I'm complete. Glory to God. Whether I stay in a big house, whether I stay in a wee house, whether I drive a nice car, whether I drive an old car, means that matters nothing. What matters is if I got that love of God. And you can only truly really have that deep love of God when you're walking in obedience to him. And God will speak to us all differently. But that's another sermon. So glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you again for being here. Don't get upset with me. Get upset with the word. Hallelujah. And, um, and God bless you all. And I mean that sincerely. God bless each and every single one of you. If anybody needs to speak to me, I am here to be spoken to. So glory to God. Let's have some tea and some fellowship and encourage one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.